Welcome to the Authentic Beings Podcast, the show where we have authentic conversations with authentic people. I'm your host, Gabriel Rovic. On today's episode, we are talking with Nick Raleigh. He's an entrepreneur, husband, father, and him and his family recently have taken up van life. Seems like Nick really values our mission to be authentic. Nick, you've been living in a van for almost a year now with your family, running multiple businesses and traveling. Now we are in the midst of COVID-19. I want to hear about some of your experiences. Can you start with telling me about van life, the name of your van, your daughter, and what happened to your living situation and plans when the stay-at-home order hit? Yeah, uh, van life has been quite wild, uh, fairly a roller coaster, if you will. Um, our van, we've named him Gary off of our good friend who passed away, uh, from ALS, which is an autoimmune disease. And, uh, he was an adventure person. He had a van himself and it only seemed fitting to name our van after our good friend that is all about this kind of lifestyle and would be proud of this lifestyle choice. Um, and then we have our daughter Cash, who is, uh, kind of her own little celebrity in her own way. She's been uh, over 10 million views from a video we put of her at a year old snowboarding. Um, <laughs> we, in, in a lack of better words, we put her on a snowboard and sent her down a mountain and uh, filmed it. And then it went pretty viral. Uh, BBC picked it up. We were on interviews all over uh, the world um, explaining, the, explaining the video and how we got her into it. And van life since then we uh we sold all our stuff out of boise idaho house car furniture everything and made a decision to jump in a van and live uh we're very lucky that our technology these days allows us to continue working as well as continue adventuring i think there's a a big thing that needs to happen in people's lives and i think they're starting to see that now with this covid-19 that there's a lot of work life balance and people are starting to realize things that are important to them so we uh we went on a trip which we can talk about a little bit later but as we came back from that trip we landed in the united states at the very beginning of the stay at home orders the covid-19 kind of really hitting America in its in its prime like as right as it was really ramping up but it was also right as Americans were kind of getting hit with a a shock factor of what is what is coming um, or what is this in general Um, it, it seems to be from my perspective being other side of the world to then flying back in the U.S to um, have to obey the stay-at-home order and naturally we came back internationally so we had to we had to self-isolate for 14 days and we we had a whole different mindset coming back from our trip that was going to be a different tour and our plans you know for the next six months have been pretty much updated thanks to the COVID-19 stay-at-home orders um, so we've had to audible and we, we did a self-quarantine through California, which was basically a ghost town. And there's some crazy stories within all that. But 
it's been really awesome. The hard part is just you want to see your friends. You want to see your family. And luckily, our family has let us come and you know visit them as of right now. I mean, I'm sitting in my wife's parents' driveway in our van currently. Um, but we want, you know, we want to go adventure, but parks are shut down. We want to go explore, you know, hot springs and things like that here in the great state of Idaho and hot springs are shut down. So there's, it's just weird, you know, where it's kind of like, we don't know what to do. I know there is stuff you can do, but it's a matter of how much you want to obey or disobey the law for that matter. For sure, man, that's quite the experience you've had. Um, so I'm kind of just curious, we'll backtrack a slight bit. Um, you know, you guys went to Kazakhstan, um, you know, when it was like, oh, you know, COVID's, eh, you know, maybe not that big of a deal. Maybe it is, but like you got there and it kind of started to become real. Like, what was that like? Were were you like, am I going to get back from Kazakhstan? What was Kazakhstan like? How, you know, how, how was living like, how was that? Cause you were there for like three weeks, right? Yeah. Yeah. We were there for pretty much the whole month of March. Um, it was awesome. First off, Kazakhstan is a really awesome country. There's a lot of cool stuff, a really cool post-Soviet culture. Um, they, they run all their heat off of coal. So lots of the big cities have heavy pollution. If you, if you don't have wind or rain or anything like that to move the air around outside of that though, the culture, the humans are really, really nice. The food is really good. The scenery, we flew into Almaty and the mountains, um, the mountains shoot up right outside of the city. It's pretty crazy looking at pictures prior to arrival and then getting there. It's a way different experience once you're there, but it's a, it's a really beautiful country. Lots of stuff to do. It's massive. I mean, it's probably one of the bigger countries in the, in the world. Um, but yeah, I mean, they've only been around, they've only been an independent country for 20 years now. So um, everything's still fairly new to them on lots of their operations and things that they're doing. But uh, yeah, it's it's a really great place. Definitely want to go back. We had to cut our trip short, unfortunately, because of COVID-19. So, um, and there's a lot of things we couldn't do because things were getting shut down progressively through the trip. So it would be a great place to go back and experience more of it on a more normal scale um kind of a timeline of when we arrived we were flying over there with the knowledge of COVID-19 happening in China and spreading a little bit towards Europe I think Italy was just starting to kind of really get its its intense um cases that they that they ended up getting and we we had the mindset of Oh, it might be, you know, not that big of a deal. Maybe it's something a bit smaller than what it now has grown up to be. However, when we landed in Kazakhstan, it was it was a wonder of are we going to get in? What's it going to be like entering this country? Um, you fly 13 hours. We flew 13 hours from LAX to Istanbul. We stayed the night in Istanbul, had a day in Istanbul, then flew to Almaty, Kazakhstan, which is another five hours naturally cash our toddler she slept on the planes but as you guys know planes with the circulating air um she 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 generated a small cough but it's just from the dry air from the airplane so as we're coming into kazakhstan we want her to 
where she's like, you know, kind of coughing and we're trying to get to get her some fresh water. <laughs> and we're like, don't cough, don't cough. Like as we're going through customs, because we don't want them to to pull us into secondary or some sort of quarantine. And it was pretty wild. They had people right as you walk off the plane, they had a guy with a, a temperature gun right as you walk off, like right in your face on the jetway. We came down, everybody's in full coveralls with like masks and goggles and um, on our on our uh, US customs report, you know, we said we're from the United States and that kind of sent us through three to four different people wondering why we're there. Why are you coming from the United States? The United States at that point was just getting started. So they're kind of wondering why the heck are you here? What are you bringing with you? Um, luckily, uh, you know, and, there, and there's a language barrier. They speak Russian. We don't speak any Russian. So um, luckily we got through and, um, you know, went, went over to where we were staying. And it was pretty wild waking up every single day, um, hearing BBC news or hearing news from our, uh, my cousin is the council general at the U.S. consulate there. So we were staying at with him and um, luckily for us, you know, we're getting info directly from him as he's getting it. And it just progressively got worse and worse. We had plans to go on a side trip down to Uzbekistan, which we had to cancel because Uzbekistan was gonna put any foreigners into a mandatory 14 day quarantine um, upon arrival. So naturally, if we were trying to go down there for three to four days, that wouldn't work out for us. Um, so while we were there, we, you know, we were able to go snowboarding. That was awesome. We were able to go play Russian billiards. We were able to experience the culture of Almaty. And then we booked a flight up to Northern Kazakhstan to a place called Boryevo. Um, and it's a really cool area. Uh, we rode the train up, which was like 17 hours up and pretty intense little train ride. Um, we got to our hotel, this rad resort up there. And then we, uh, as we're there, the news is really starting to hit Kazakhstan. And this is when Kazakhstan is going. Um, they weren't sure the president's kind of making the plans of what to do. And, uh, flights were getting canceled, getting out of there. My cousin's calling me saying, yeah, you know, worst case scenario, you'll just book a flight from where you are up there straight back to America. We'll ship back all your stuff that's down here you know, at the house back to America, which is like, you know, we left computers and hard drives and snowboards and all these things behind because we went just on a quick side trip just with a bag. So, <laughs> you know, we're kind of sitting there like, oh crap, what are we going to do? So instead of riding the train back, we booked a flight back to Almaty, had an extra day and a half there and then flew out. And we actually luckily got out of the country and we had changed our flight to up ahead and we got the last flight out of Almaty back to, you know, that was to Istanbul, then Istanbul to LAX. So we got very, very lucky getting out of there, but things elevated quickly. Um, and Kazakhstan did a really good job of, on their end of once they found out they had a case, it was like immediate shutdown. Like we're gonna put the cities on lockdown. We're not letting, you know, travelers in, not letting travelers out unless it's you, unless you're already there, but if you were coming in a day or two after we had got, we had left, they wouldn't have let you in. So it was pretty cool how, how, well they, how well they responded, but it was also very scary on our end because 
we didn't know if we were getting out. <laughs> Dang, that is, uh, you guys are quite the adventurous family. I'm going to tell you that much. I, I get out there, but wow, good for you. You're, you're, you're a badass, man. Uh, I'm glad you're healthy too. So you look good. Uh, so tell me, um, you know, so you go through this whole experience. You're probably exhausted as is. You got your daughter. She's a handful because she's, she's always bouncing off the walls and ready to play. Uh, but yeah, tell me, you know, coming back into the United States, um, you know, what was it like just coming in? Did they just let you right in? And then you go get your van. Um, what happens after that? Well, yeah, it's, it's funny because we were in Almaty, Kazakhstan, watching BBC, seeing the crazy influx of all the Europeans coming back, all the people traveling from Europe coming back to the States. And we saw the customs lines at airports and we're just dreading the fact of coming back to the States and flying into LAX and having, you know, a six plus hour, um, you know, customs situation. Um, for us, we felt we should be decently okay. We have global entry. We're very lucky on that. We travel often. So we know the, know the, the scenario of what it's like getting back in the country, but we were anticipating some delay of some sort so we canceled our connecting flight from LAX back to Phoenix uh, for the following day and we were actually totally surprised we came back into LAX and it was as if nothing was happening in America like business as usual it was quite surprising um, we made it through customs faster than we've ever made it through customs in our life um, we were going through the Customs and Border Patrol. The guys, maybe they're bored because people weren't coming through, but the guys were nice enough to let Cash, my daughter, stamp her own passport, which is any, anyone that's gone through US Customs and Border Patrol, it's usually not that relaxing. Um, and there are usually not very many smiles, but it was like, it was really easy. And so we got through and we would have been able to make our, our initial connecting flight to Phoenix that day, but we assumed we didn't. And it's one of those, catch 22 right had we not changed our flight we would have been stuck in customs and border patrol for hours and missed that flight but because we changed it we zipped right through so we got a hotel that night in LA right by the airport and next day flew out back to Phoenix where our van was parked and we got back to Phoenix and our good friends are there and we were able to you know kind of stay with them for for a day or so but naturally you know they have they have two little girls um there's it's just that this has scared everybody in so many ways that when we got there, you could tell it, of course, my good friend, who is my best man at my wedding, he, he's like, oh, no worries, man. He's like, come on back. He's like, if you have it, I'll get it. I don't care. Like we're healthy, like, you know, all strong. And, and, you know, and his wife was a bit more cautious on it. And, and my wife definitely felt that vibe and, and knew my wife, Whitney, she, she felt that vibe and knew it was like, maybe we should get out. Um, you know, it's just, it's one of those, this is such an, an unexpected and unexperienced situation for pretty much everyone globally that it's hard to even explain from our standpoint and justify anybody from any other standpoint or unjustify anybody from any standpoint, because it's also unknown, you know? Um, but yeah, so we, we grabbed a quick Airbnb because we had to get back, get laundry, get our, like ducks in a row of what we were going to do because we knew that the U.S. 
was different than the U.S. we left. So we got an Airbnb for two days in Scottsdale to catch up on work, do our laundry, um, set up a plan. And we're like, okay, originally we were going to go to um, California and go visit our friends. But naturally, all our friends are on lockdown and California is on complete lockdown. And you're not going to be able to surf because they shut the, the beaches down. So we had to figure out, okay, we're not going to go to our friends' houses. We're not going to go visit all our, our, our people. What should we do? And we kind of started looking around and we, we realized that you can actually go to BLM land. So first off, we're like, okay, let's go. If we're going to camp and all campgrounds are closed and it's going to be pretty empty, let's go to Big Sur. Big Sur is amazing. And this time of year is usually pretty packed. Uh, I mean, Big Sur is packed almost any time of year, but this time of year, we figured no tourists are going to be there because no, no European travelers, no Chinese travelers are coming. So we head to Big Sur. We get to Big Sur. All campgrounds are closed. We knew that, but we figured, well, we'll find some fire roads that we can go up. Um, the one fire road we knew of had cars parked all the camp spots we, we could find. Um, and it gets pretty steep and it's been raining. So, you know, our van altogether weighs about 10,000 pounds. So as you start climbing, those roads get pretty narrow and hairy and steep. So, you know, made about a mile up a fire road and we're like, oh, we're not finding anything and we want to be close to the ocean. So let's go back down. We'll go find a place on the side of the road to camp. We'll kind of figure it out from there. And so we drove down to this ridge road in, in Big Sur and pulled off on a pull off up above Highway 1. And we're like, okay, let's just cook dinner, get our, like everybody stretch their legs and we'll, and we'll figure out what we're going to do. And while we're kind of unloading our stuff and prepping dinner um the most i the most like the most insane thing that's ever i've ever witnessed in my life happened and um i'm standing there on this turnoff overlooking highway one and i hear this car accelerating just uh, you know like constant accelerating and i know the road that they're on they're on a straightaway but it hits a big turn and this thing and i'm like oh my gosh that i was like that truck is flying and then all of a sudden you just hear because I, I went to the other side of the turnout to see if I could see the truck continue down the road on Highway 1. And all you hear, and it kind of shook the ground a little bit, but you just hear like a crunch and, a, and another crunch, and that's it. And obviously the, the truck, what happened is the truck did not make the turn. From what we looked at, it didn't look like the truck even tried to stop and just plowed into this barrier and end over and flipped off this cliff onto the ground. And so we're like, you know, standing there well, what do we do you know and we're we're screaming down to this one car that happened to be like just pull off right there and trying to explain to them and immediately we're like i started running down the road and i was like screw this we got to get the van we got to get all of us like it's going to be faster so we load up the van as fast as we can the fast we ever load it which is awesome so now we know how to get the hell out of somewhere really quickly knowing we can do it that quickly and ran and zoom down to the to where that the scene of the the crash hit and the guy, the truck had landed on its wheels and the guy was pushed into the back seat of his, of his Toyota Tundra um, with his head out the window. And by that time, um, another car was, a group of people were running down to kind of see if they could help uh, that, that had happened to be down at this little picnic area. Um, but no one was, had called for help. So we, what we did is we zoomed down as fast as we could to the first residence, any sort of civilization we could find and just pulled up into this place and ran up to the house and was like hey i need to use your phone and 
used his phone, told him what we saw, called for help. Um, we were able to get all that squared away so help was on its way. Um, but fortunately for us, you know, the, the guy was amazing dude and he, uh, he just said, you know what? He's like, it, there's a reason why you came to my place and this has all happened. He's like, he's like, please come back after you go back and give your statement to the cops and stuff like that. He's like, you're welcome to camp on my land all you want. Um, and his land is right across the street from Highway 1 overlooking the Pacific Ocean. Beautiful spot. Um, but just a really, really fortunate scenario on one instance. Um, I'm glad we were able to help save a life. They had to life flight the guy out of there. Um, it looked like he was alive upon departure. Um, but, you know, we're standing up upon a cliff and it's hard to really even tell what his, what his condition is. But um, yeah, they brought the helicopter in. We gave our statement. Um, I had to send a bunch of photos to the highway patrol so they could, you know, do, do whatever they were going to do next. But it was a crazy way to <laughs> come back into the States and have this experience. And um, from there, we, uh, from there, we, we continued through California. We went from Big Sur out to this place called Carrizo Plain, this BLM land where we could kind of camp and disperse and hung out there for a few days, saw the wildflowers. So the wildflowers were just starting to bloom, which was awesome. And then we went from there to Death Valley. And I'll tell you, we got very lucky to be doing this because Death Valley was empty and Death Valley in the spring is usually not empty um, because it's right before all the crazy heat hits. So we were there, we were able to explore all over Death Valley. We went out to racetrack Playa. Um, There's us and one other sportsmobile with a van pretty much similar to ours um, out there and that was it. And then we went from Death Valley to Alabama Hills and camped in Alabama Hills for a little bit. And normally that place would be crowded this time of year as well. Um, we camped right under the Sierras, lo looking right at Mount Whitney the whole time. And our little area that we, we had found had nobody around. So we, you know, we were able to like, you know, get nude and shower off the back of the van and do all the stuff that it, this van is made to do and live the life that we were, you know, that we set out to live. But it's just really crazy. California was a ghost town. Every, every grocery store was kind of weird to be in and every, uh, every gas station, like, you know, you, we had to go to the bathroom at one point and it was like every gas station you pull into, was no public restroom, no public restrooms, even if you're paying customers. So kind of like, where do you pee? <laughs> what do you do? I mean, you know, for me, luckily we all know how to pee outside, but sometimes, yeah, and sometimes nature calls for a toilet. <laughs> wow. Um, that is, that is quite the story. You guys have seen, seen, literally seen it all. Um, I'd, I'd say you, I, and, and you're smiling and man, those are life experiences that people don't get in a lifetime. And, um, uh, good for you for calling, calling for help. And, I, uh, hopefully that guy lived, um, big Sur's got some pretty big cliffs. Uh, I've always thought about what it would be like to drive your car off that every time I go there. I don't know why, but that goes through your head when you're, when you're driving around there. Um, totally. Well, cool. I mean, yeah, that's where I would want to be, you know, hold up, uh, where no one is because yeah it's it's um, one of the most amazing places and yeah death valley right now is this is the time so I'd say you made some pretty good choices along your way i mean what's it been like just like you know stocking up on supplies and things like that because you know all these other people are having such a hard time anyways so are you able to like get enough food for multiple days while you were on the road like without having to worry about you know 
needing extra stuff and not being close to a grocery store and maybe the grocery store didn't even have anything yeah i mean luckily for us our pantry is about let's see probably i'm looking at it right now oh maybe four feet tall by about six inches wide with you know maybe by i don't know 10 12 inches deep so your pantry is not very big we have a small little refrigerator um so you have to think about stuff that's going to be naturally what everyone else stocked up on canned foods and all that kind of stuff but for us we were fortunate enough to be able to find some places that had you know some meats that we could stock up on for a couple of days or you know cash she for for breakfast she eats basically oatmeal or cereal um, or a smoothie so luckily in california it's pretty easy still to find berries because it's they're harvesting them right now so yeah i mean you just change your diet a little bit but we we're we don't have to stock up on toilet paper too much you know we don't have a whole lot of in that sense of cleaning supplies um food wise we we definitely knew how to buy stuff that would be able to be used for a few different meals that we could do so or you'd cook one really big meal and then have leftovers um so i mean yeah i could see it if i had a if i had a family a bigger family to feed um or even just a house to kind of stock to have just snacks and stuff like that i could see where it could get a little bit weird but i mean when we were in kazakhstan i was eating horse meat that's the stuff that they had you know like i'll eat anything i'm quite a bit so if we can't get one thing, yeah, well, you might want to have tacos one night, but maybe it's maybe you're not going to get the the exact style of tacos you want, so you audible and get what you can. You know, it's about you got to just kind of be as liquid as possible and be able to just adjust with what is given you. Um, we understand these times are crazy. We're very fortunate for the life we live and that our families and everybody's healthy. But you know, there's a lot of other people that aren't so fortunate to be able to even go to the store and get food or anything like that. So, you know, we try to be respectful of that too, making sure we're buying stuff we really necessarily need and that's it and not trying to overstock. One, we don't have space, but two, it's just there's more, there's people that need more than we do for, for sure. Yeah, I respect that. So yeah, it sounds like you were already prepared for this type of living anyway. So man, good for you. That's amazing. Um, you guys are uh, inspiration to me for sure. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe I got to slim down on uh, all my necessities. That's for sure. Um, but Hey, I, you know, I know COVID's like been a big talk in everybody's life. I want to hear a little bit more just about, you know, tell, tell, tell me and the people that are listening a little bit about, um, the business ventures that you have. Um, because I think that's super interesting and, uh, it, it says a lot about you. Yeah. Um, I mean, prior to COVID, um, you know, I have a, I have my own marketing agency and my wife has her own startup called babybetty.com. Um, prior to COVID, I have, I had a bunch of clients right now, unfortunately, and this is not anything different than anybody else is experiencing. Uh, when you, when you're a consultant for any companies, you're usually the first one to get cut when budgets are getting cut. And right now it's pretty common across the board. Um, as we see with our airline industry. Uh, so, you know, we still have the market agency, we're still doing our thing. We, we're, we're planning for post COVID pandemic uh, life. Um, but in the meantime, we're just doubling down on what we're doing with uh, Whitney's business, babybetty.com. Um, we've, you know, we've been 
going deep in development. We've been doing a bit more on the marketing side and we actually, it's we're actually having some of the best uh, months that we've ever had with it um, due to the COVID because of virtual baby showers. So babybetty.com allows you to have a registry and have your gifts shipped to you. But we also have a baby Betty, baby Betty has a uh, baby due date guessing game on it. And it's, it's actually gone really well for us on that aspect um, because people are, um, because people are, you know, struggling. Um, we are working on uh, putting together kind of like the money that we have made from it because we do take a 5% fee similar to what GoFundMe did in its early days and other crowdfunding sites do. Um, that's how we keep the, the, the wheels turning on it. Um, we've been, we've been working on where do we want to send some of that money we've made from it. Um, at this time and this time in life, like we're very fortunate to have sold our house when we did and um, have a little bit of, uh, you know, money in our savings account. Um, naturally we have to use that to live, but we want to be able to give back as well. So we've been talking about how we can give back our proceeds from baby Betty that we've been making or a portion thereof to, you know, some of the frontline people, the real heroes of this country right now, and that are our nurses like your wife and, you know, the people that are just really putting their, their life on the line on the front end uh, to save people, you know, and it's not even just people with COVID and coronavirus, saving people from there on out. I mean, I've had friends that have had babies and during this time, and I could just imagine being a, a woman in labor going into a hospital where who knows what you're walking into at that point. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of heroes on that end that are, that are treating them just the same as they're treating anybody that's coming in with coronavirus. So we're trying to, we're, we're putting together a program of how we're going to give back to, to the frontline workers. And, um, you know, it's not about the money at the end of the day, you can always make more of that um, as, as weird as that sounds. And as of right now, but um, yeah, there's, there's just a lot of things going on, but but no, it's been great. It's been cool to see our, our business, you know, Baby Betty. It's its name is getting out there and that's a big part of it. It's what happens with the startup. It takes a long time to build. Um, so we're, we're, we're doing that as well as living out of this van. We make videos, not at the caliber that you can make videos, but we make fun little videos from the vlogger style standpoint. So um, those we'll be having more of those coming out since we've had time to, uh, to sit back and do stuff. Um, I've actually haven't told you this, but I've actually, in this time of quarantine, I've been slowly working on writing a children's book that I will be hopefully getting out there here soon. So it's been pretty fun and challenging. Nice, man. Yeah, you guys are rock stars. Can't wait to read the book. And uh, let me know if there's anything I can do to help support the give back. Uh, I, I love that. You know, uh, I think about that all the time. My wife actually works in dialysis. And I was telling her the other day, I'm like, you've been saving lives every single day whether there's COVID or not because if you're a dialysis patient you don't have a choice um so she uh, uh i hear you on that there's people out there that are going for it and again my sister's also having a baby too um in a couple weeks so she seems to be feeling pretty good about it um surprisingly so uh yeah that's really cool man um i love to hear what you're doing um and, you know, every show, I like to give the listeners something they can kind of take home and explore some of the things um, that might interest you. Um, so can you just give a couple of shout outs to um, tell me some sites or books you're reading or um, Instagram pages you like to follow just to, just to give everybody kind of a, a dive into your world? 
Yeah. Um, books, um, anything from Ryan Holiday is going to keep your mindset in a good way. Um, the Daily Stoic is a good daily passage to read. Uh, no matter what your beliefs are, it's a good thing to just kind of set your mind on, on a track of, of happiness and, and understanding the realities of what you can control in life. Um, his other book, The Obstacle is the Way, that's a, that's a great book, um, kind of helping, helping you get through, get over, you know, any, any sort of things that are blocking you in your mind. Um, and then uh, I recently read a book called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. <laughs> um, uh, and that's just a, it's a good book to read on any sort of uh, mindset you might be on, especially in this time when there's a lot of like mental health going to be, I think that's going to be the repercussion of COVID is a lot of mental health. And that book is definitely going to help people hopefully just realize that, you know, your problems aren't singular. And that's really the end all be all. Um, Instagram pages. Uh, I mean, it's been funny. I, I, I guess I've kind of avoided as much as I can besides posting um, a lot of Instagram and social media just because it's kind of the same old stuff. But uh, kook of the day, as lame as this sounds, has been hilarious with all the surfing shutdowns. What they're showing of people trying to go out after it and, and do that. Um, I, I guess I... I guess I just have some some good friends that have some pretty inspirational pages themselves. Uh, I just like to see what's happening with my friends and their families. Um, I'm not going to shout any of them out just because privacy. But, you know, I just like to, it's really at this time, I like to just see what's going on in my friends and family's life. Uh, I, this has definitely made me step back and realize how much more uh, involved I want to be in, in all that, that world that you don't get to see. Um, I've been doing some Zoom meetings with my friends. That has been crazy. Um, I actually got my first real gnarly hangover I've had in a long time because of one of those with a bunch of my friends. So, um, <laughs> and mostly I'm just following, you know, BBC. Um, coming back to America, the American media, no matter what side of the coin you you decide to uh, support, there's an opposing side of the media that really kind of gives could be false information to what you believe. And the BBC to me feels like it gives a very straightforward worldly point of view. And maybe that's because when COVID hit, I was watching it and that's all you could watch. So um, I, I like to see what's happening in the world. I like to follow it. Um, naturally, I, I do stock investing on the side of just what I do. And that's just private play money stuff. And um, I like to see what's happening with the economy. And so I've watched CNBC, but I'm not really that exciting. And I don't have a whole lot of, I wish I had more inspiring things to say to go follow but um i guess if anyone's you know needs something it'd be just pay attention to your friends and make sure that they're living a happy healthy life that's going to give you more enjoyment than any account that you could possibly follow right on i appreciate that well maybe we just all need to follow you because you are pretty exciting uh you got some stuff going on so I'll, I'll definitely throw your uh, handle out there for everybody to go check out no privacy issues there right not at all. No, please follow along. Um, tell me how big of a kook I actually am because I know it's, I know it's real. <laughs> Heck yeah. Well, um, you know, f one final thing that I want to do is, um, our mission is to be authentic. Um, can you tell me what it means to you to be authentic? Just be real, uh, be yourself. Um, find the stuff that you love and go full on for it and not care 
what anybody has to say about it. Um, when you can do that, that's authenticity in its, in its finest. And that's what's going to make people love you. And that old saying of, you know, the ones that, the ones that care or the ones that mind don't matter and the ones that matter don't mind. Um, just keep that in the back of your head because it's the truth. And that's, that's where you can be authentic and just not give a shit, man. It's the life's too short to care. That's awesome, man. Thank you for being authentic, Nick. I love you. I love you too, Gabe. Thank you so much for having me on. This is a lot of fun. Hopefully I didn't say anything too stupid. (laughs) That wraps it up. Thanks for tuning in to Authentic Beings, the show where we have authentic conversations with authentic people. See you next week.